This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Another day, another Amazon.com purchase through dollamore.com. Nice. <laughs> wow. Well, not another day, another dollar. Yeah. Another us begging for money. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. You're just starting with that. That's good. Episode 46 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your humble host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me is your other, maybe not so humble host, Brittany Page. I'm very humble. I'm extremely <laughs> humble. I'm more humble than anybody I know. Than anyone you know. What yeah. a humble thing to say. Yeah. That is really good. I told you, more than anybody I know. So as I just mentioned, Amazon.com, there is a search link on dollamore.com where some of you happen to visit once in a while. There's really nothing there other than our audio and a link to contact us which I will get to in a moment. But if you're going to spend your money anyway and you'd like to buy wine or a book, that is the place to do it. They will ship to you and will your purchase will go a long way toward supporting your favorite, favorite show. We've got a lot to get to today. A lot. A whole bunch. The contact button on the website has been blowing up. Blowing up. Well, not just that, but last episode which was not our longest but one of our longest time wise it we had to ditch several topics yeah and we didn't get to them so we're gonna have to talk about them today but in the meantime in between episodes we've had our audience going off yeah first i'd like to address a concern of someone a gentleman or lady <laughs> from missouri who texted in and said D, please stop fucking using the word fuck or any of its derivatives every fucking sentence. It fucking makes you sound fucking like fucking 12. Fucking thanks. Keep it up. Wow. So apparently my blue language is a cause of concern for those deeply rooted in the Bible Belt. Yeah, they want you to stop saying it, but they just made you say it like 12 times. Yeah. So I guess the only response that would be appropriate to this particular text is... Yep, perfect. <laughs> and that might have been what they were looking for the entire time. Yeah. They are they were just looking for what we would refer to as getting sealed. Yes. So they, they got fucking sealed. Yes, they did. <laughs> And moving on, as my sweaty arm is sticking to the papers underneath me, my very advanced system of note-taking, uh, we got an email from one of our international listeners, Alexander from Denmark. Yes, he wrote, Hello, Jesse and Brittany. I want to ask you a question. I'm from the great kingdom of Denmark, and as I understand it, both of you are Republicans... We'll get to that in a second. Or at least have a conservative view on fiscal policies. 
Even though I agree with you when it comes to religion, since I'm agnostic, I disagree with you when it comes to fiscal policies. I know you don't talk about economic and fiscal policies that much on your program, but I do think it's quite interesting to discuss. I live in a country which uses a big part of its money on public spending. We have one of the highest tax rates in the world, and the Danish state have a lot of influence in our life, since gun use, marijuana, and other such things are forbidden. Healthcare, most schools, transportation, most nursing homes, the post service, the energy service, and the National Broadcasting Corporation are all run by the state. For a person with a conservative view on fiscal policies, this would sound horrifying, and for some, it would sound like a socialist state. Conservatives usually say that countries with a big state, a lot of welfare, big spending, and high taxes are doing terrible, but that's not the case with Denmark. Denmark is the richest country in the world. When you count out the countries whose economies is built on financial speculation, gambling, or natural resources, And even if you count these countries in, Denmark is in seventh place. Our country's economy is built on agriculture, quality design, and livestock. We have the highest possible credit rating. The population of our country has been awarded as the happiest year after year after year. Our healthcare system, our healthcare system has been awarded as one of the best in the world. An enormous percent of our young people are graduating from universities. We have a lot of both gender, race, and economical equality. Last but not least, our country classifies itself as a welfare state, which usually is profanity for conservatives. Since I'm center-left, social democratic, Keynes loving Dane, just about 52% of the population of Denmark. I support the economic situation we have here, and I usually criticize the U.S. because of the very capitalistic economy and their negative attitude toward taxes, government, and public spending. Why is it that conservatives keep criticizing public spending, government-run health care, and high taxes when a country like Denmark, which has all of that, is doing so good? I hope you answer my question. P.S. I love your damn show. Thanks for writing in, first of all. He also said, I'm from Denmark. English is not my native language. But he did pretty good. Yeah, I think he did well. They're an intelligent people. They're, yeah. I think they have a 99% literacy rate, which is fucking remarkable. Oh, sorry, listener from Missouri. It is remarkable. Yeah. Before I launch into my soliloquy is there anything you'd like to to respond to alexander yeah i'm not a republican oh yeah i guess that's true and i don't know how anyone would get that impression yeah Brittany is not a well neither one of us is a republican no um at all i would consider myself conservative um my my family who are also very conservative would consider me a dirty, filthy liberal. Yeah. So, or a libtard, like you got called on Twitter this week. That's right. A lot of people who want to argue politics with me um, would not agree with you whatsoever in your assessment, Alexander. That I'm a lib- that I'm a conservative. Yeah. But I-, I do claim the moniker of conservative. I believe generally I'm a conservative person. And I am not a conservative. Bernie is not. I-, I I wouldn't call myself a liberal anymore. But I'm definitely left of center. So th- there's a a couple things I take issue with. First, let me say this. I would never do anything to denigrate your country, to d- compare the two countries in a way that would besmirch Denmark. 
You've got a long storied history. I mean, the first Danes were mentioned in his, by historians in about 500 AD. And that kind of launches me into what I'm talking about, about some of the differences of our two great countries, is you have a long storied history, and we are just getting started. Yeah. We're fucking brand new on the world stage. The other thing, Denmark is a largely homogeneous society, meaning it is almost completely filled with Danes. It's one ethnic and cultural group for the most part. There's, I think it's one or 2% Muslim. It's, oh, wow. It's largely made up of tall, good-looking white people. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> it, it Lucky is, them. Yeah, it, it is a, a paradise for some. So we have a different situation going on in what we call... The melting pot. The melting pot of America. Yeah. And we contend with completely different circumstances socioeconomically than you do in your tiny, lowly populated country. Yeah, that's another difference. Huge difference. The other aspect that completely makes the some of the comparisons you made, I don't want to say obsolete, but more difficult to answer, is the fact that your history is completely different than the history uh, that, that we have here in the United States. You come from a what is now kind of a an impotent monarchy. It's a constitutional monarchy, so your present queen um, has largely just ceremonial powers through the parliament, kind of like England. She doesn't really control shit. So, and I'm learning so much about Denmark right now, by the way, because I didn't know any of this about Denmark. <laughs> I probably didn't even know it existed until a Alexander sent us an email. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And where, where you have a long storied history that goes back to I mean, some somewhere in the 900s is when you were found you came together as a country, you know, in the 10th century. It wasn't for another 800 years that the United States became a country. Almost a, a millennia took place between the time that you became a country. And we became a country. So you've got a large head start on us. That's for not sure. saying you're doing everything right, but you're doing everything right for what you've got going on. Yeah. You're also tiny. It's it's 16,000 square mile country. To, to put it in perspective, Missouri, for our, our curse word hating uh, listener, Missouri is about twice that size. So Denmark wow. is half the size of one of our medium sized states. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, it's about twice the size of New Hampshire. Yeah. So that's small. It's got about five and a half, five, let's say six million people. Denmark's population is less than that of the greater Los Angeles area where I live. It's about half as much as New York City and that surrounding area. Yeah, so it's comparing completely it's different things. Completely different things. And if we were to compare Denmark to a company... We would be General Electric or fucking Microsoft, and, and and you would be Alexander. Your country would be something along the lines of Bill's Grocery Store, a small small grocery store with maybe two locations, something very 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 small. Yeah. And I only make this comparison to say this: 
a large, multifaceted corporation that makes hundreds and thousands of different pro- products, like General Electric or Microsoft, let's say, or Google, a, a giant multi-billion dollar corporation is far more difficult to manage. For sure. Where a small corporation or company, which you would be more of a company than a giant corporation, is a lot easier to manage because you don't have that many things to worry about. Yeah. America's just different in so many different ways. It's very hard to compare the the problems economically and socially and politically that we have in America to a largely homogeneous society like Denmark. Well, and when you put it like that, it makes a lot of sense, too, because one of the issues he's talking about is that his country essentially takes care of people very much and America doesn't. And it's kind of the point you're making is, well, you have very few people to take care of compared to us. Right. Well, going back to the history thing, we were founded a group of rebels escaping the crown and trying to escape what we perceived as tyranny. So there's always been kind of a rugged individualism, that kind of strain of rugged individualism that runs through Americans. Oh, for and, sure. And the the longer the the, the more established states, t- timeline wise, chronologically, like New York and Massachusetts, they've lost that rugged individualism. And the newer states moving farther west, like Montana and Wyoming and Idaho. Those states still have a very deeply rooted sense of what could be considered conservatism, but rugged individualism. It's true. They they don't want to be held down by the government. Yeah. You know, so that would kind of be some semblance of how to explain it relative to taxes. That if you're taking from one group who earns and giving, giving it to another group who doesn't earn... That is what everyone would agree is socialist. It's a, based on socialist principles. And here in America, I wouldn't say primarily, but largely, that's not necessarily the way we want to run things. So it's what works for you might work for you, but I would say that people at the higher income echelon in Denmark are probably less pleased with how much the percentage at which they're taxed <laughs> than the people who are not taxed or barely taxed. Yeah. It really is. A, it's a sliding scale of happiness. Yeah. <laughs> their their happiness, because they're wealthy, it probably balances out their chagrin with how much they're taxed. Yeah. So there's really no way to compare the two things because your country is so much different than ours, both, socio- like I said, socioeconomically, um, geographically, everything. There's just so many different things to take into account. But I'll tell you this, there is one thing that there's no argument about. I very much appreciate you listening to the show and keep keep it up. <laughs> and I hope I answered your question as well as I could. Because one, listen, I'm not an economics major. I'm not an economist. I'm not, you know, into, I'm not a business major. I can't explain at length those type of things but i know from a conceptual basis what i'm saying holds true yeah well and i think he mentioned that we never talk about fiscal things on the show but i think maybe he was just curious to kind of get a glimpse into what we thought about it so hopefully that was satisfactory for him yeah i could tell you that Brittany 
Um, even though her name's not on the show, she is certainly an equal part to this this chaos that we pr- provide here twice a week. She, and I don't want to speak for her, but I'm going to continue to do so. She is far less apprehensive and worried about taxation and, and tax rates than I am. Yeah. She, I, I would say you don't think it's as big a problem. No. It's. I don't think it's ever a concern or anything I've ever heard you bitch about. But it's something that I could go on for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, and I'm. That's why I consider myself more to the left because I grew up on food stamps and you know public assistance, yeah, welfare type of thing. Yeah, and so I have a little bit more compassion, I guess I would say, or well, maybe that, just like I understand it firsthand. That would indicate that those who don't share your feeling aren't as compassionate, and I think that's... Well, that's why I was trying to say, or I just experienced it firsthand, so yeah. I really get it, and I understand, but... Well, I, I think there's certainly a place for social welfare social welfare programs, and I've probably stolen this from somebody, I'm certain I have, but I believe that welfare and, and handout-type entitlement, what we call entitlement programs in the United States, should be used as a trampoline to get people back into the workforce and back earning for themselves, not a hammock for them to swing lazily between two trees and have a tropical drink. And it's a trampoline. It's not a hammock. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and I, I understand that too, because I don't know why anyone would disagree with that. And yeah. I also, I've never complained about anything I've received either, because like for my college education, being from a poor family, I received a Pell Grant every year, mm-hmm. my four-year college education. Sure. And that was very helpful um, paying for, you know, a significant part of my college education. And they didn't, the government didn't have to do that for me. Right. And I don't have any problem with those kind of programs. It's, it's, it's because those kind of programs helping you pay for college is going to break the cycle of poverty. So you don't have to rely on the government. Yeah. And when, if you didn't go to college and you didn't take advantage of that Pell Grant, college probably would have been unattainable for you. So you would remain in that cycle of poverty like your family. Yeah. So it's an investment that, that the government takes on that pays dividends because they don't have to keep paying for you. Yeah. And that means if you have kids, you they won't also, statistically speaking, they will not have to do that. Yeah. And so Alexander might be thinking that the U.S. is a little bit more harsh than it is, you know, but I, I did get these Pell Grants and, you know, the state of Idaho paid for my wisdom teeth to be removed and my appendix because I was on Medicaid as a kid. And there are tools that help people here. Right. It's not just everyone's left to fend for themselves. And I think that's an image that a lot of people have about the United States outside of the United States. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question, uh, Alexander. Like I said, uh, when we tried to dump the segment before, but there was just too much to talk about. Uh, we do appreciate you listening to the show. It's awesome. I had some idea that we had a burgeoning international audience, but it's nice to have direct evidence of such. And we love you for listening. And who knows? Maybe uh, Brittany and I will take a, a Scandinavian trip and get to meet our our growing audience. Yes. Of Danes. Yes. <laughs> So uh, wrapping up the audience participation segment that this has become, we want to wrap up the issue with Yelp proselytizer Antho L from Yelp. Well, I guess he's from Yelp. He's the Yelp proselytizer. Yeah. And just as a reminder to everybody, on the last episode, 45, 
we talked about Antho. He had sent me a Yelp message out of the blue. He had checked out the podcast and he wanted to witness to me as a Christian and shared with me his personal relationship with his savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, it said he's not religious, though. He's, you know, one of those Christians. So he's not religious. Yeah, he's not he religious. He doesn't have a religion. He just has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I told him to go ahead and check out that episode that we had mentioned him. And, you know, thanks for the messages. And I don't think he was very pleased. Well, apparently his 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 witnessing or his proselytizing didn't go the way he had planned. You didn't immediately fall on your on your knees and proclaim Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That didn't make him very happy. But yeah. Before we get to that, uh, I want to include a phone call to our voicemail line, which is 657-464-7609. Brett has something to say to Antho. Jesse D and Brittany P. Hey, this is Brett. Um, I just listened to the latest episode, and I had to call in and drop a little knowledge on Yelp Guy. Uh, Yelp Guy is under the assumption that his personal relationship with Jesus is something separate and significant outside of other forms of Christianity and that Christianity is actually different than Catholicism, I believe I heard him say. So here's the knowledge I'm going to drop. If you're a Catholic, if you're a Mormon, pretty much any person on the planet that claims that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior is a Christian. It is a blanket term to describe anybody who believes in that. So, to distinguish yourself from Catholicism or any other form of Christianity as a Christian is just wrong. Uh, I understand that it's a little difficult because there are over 30,000 different variations of Christianity, so it can get a little muddled. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was that this whole personal relationship with, with Jesus versus religion uh, is ridiculous. It's not new. Uh, as a matter of fact, 20-plus uh, years ago, uh, when Jesse and I were uh, touring around and spreading the gospel, uh, that was a very popular theme then, that our personal relationship with Christ uh, is anti-religious and religions for the dogs or for the old school, and, and this is new, and this is what it's all about, and it's just the same turd wrapped in a different package. That's all it is. And I'll tell you what. If you think your personal relationship with Christ is special and unique and something different than what everybody else has who follows your belief, uh, tell me five relationship with Christ, and I will find I will find where to put you. I will put you in the organization that you are actually affiliated with, whether you know it or not. So there's the knowledge I have to drop on y'all, Jesse, Brittany. I love you guys. Your show's getting better every day. Keep on keeping on and taking care of biz. So just is a refresher for the point that Brett made in his call about Antho separating Catholicism and Christianity. He had said, although Catholicism was instrumental in teaching me the fundamentals of Christianity, I wanted something more in my life that Catholicism just wasn't fulfilling for me. I eventually developed a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and had a supernatural experience. And he says, 
To me, religion is man's attempt at reaching and finding God. Christianity, on the other hand, is God reaching out to man through his son, Jesus Christ. So we get it. Which which embodies the same message that Jefferson Bethke talked about in his Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus. Yeah. And again, for the second episode, for those of you who would like to see my rebuttal to that video, just go search Dollamore on YouTube and Why I Hate Religion, period. But getting to Antho's reply to the what we talked about on the last on the last episode he says i appreciate the shout out on the podcast i stand by what i said because it is what i believe so there's no use trying to argue about it also i didn't mean to come off being offensive quote unquote to either one of you but if i did then i'm sorry that you perceived it as such because it wasn't meant to be offensive and i apologize He's not apologizing for being offensive. He's apologized if we perceived it as such because he didn't mean to be. And I, I, I'll i go back and say, I didn't say I was offended, but I said what you were saying was offensive, which is two different things. So I had responded to you because of the tone of your dialogue about Christianity, which is a faith that is very personal to me and to millions of other people as well. Actually, billions, but it, it that's my interjection. I don't know how I would discern between me interjecting while he's talking. and uh, Anyway, it's funny that you say you two were offended, but then you don't care about offending other people about their faith. Isn't that a little hypocritical? It's, it's like the pot calling the kettle black. So if I can interject something, um, we don't tell religious people that their experiences uh, aren't significant or that they aren't really Christians. The part that we talked about being offensive, kind of, is when he said that I, I wasn't really ever a Christian. Yeah. Because he was presuming to know something about me that there's no possible way for him to know. Being someone that's, one, never met me and is only my friend on Yelp, where I review restaurants. Well, and it's also, it's also him effectively calling us liars. I believe that religious people, when they pray, they're having real experiences that are reducing their stress and causing them comfort. And those are real experiences that they're having. And I don't take away from that. Right. You know, so it's just weird that he would want to say something to me that would take away from my own personal experience. Right. Here's where it gets good. Let me ask you, do you two also criticize Muslims, Buddhists, or any other quote-unquote religions on your show? Do you criticize atheists? Because that's also a belief system. And I'm going to interject here. One, atheism is not a belief system. Atheism means... The lack of belief in gods. I don't believe there are gods. And though you are almost as much of an atheist as I am. Out of the 40,000 gods that exist, or however many there are, I don't believe in any of them. If there, Let's say there's 40,000 gods. I don't believe in any of the 40,000. You, on the other hand, don't believe in 39,999 gods. So you're almost... As much of an atheist as me. And, and, and to, to, to answer the direct question that you asked, absolutely, we criticize atheists. On our very first episode, the in the title of the fucking show, it says, Atheist Assholes or Asshole Atheists. And we smash 
on atheists who are acting like dicks. The last several episodes, we have been calling Richard Dawkins a famed atheist, dumbass Dawkins, because of some stupid shit he said. We yeah, and that's that's the key difference between Antho and us is that we really do criticize our own people. We we can recognize the faults within our own people, our fellow atheists. But he, he is championing Christianity regardless of the terrible things that are in it. And that's the only thing that we criticize. We talk about the negative aspects of these religions, how they oppress people. We talk about homosexuality a lot and the damage that it's doing to the LGBT community with these Christian views. Right. And... He seems to be wanting to protect his belief at all costs well, when we can say, yeah, there's plenty of atheists that are dickbags. It's kind of like this. Listen, I would not say that there aren't good Christians, and I would not say that Christianity has some good points to it. But for you to act like it's all sweetness and lights when there are scripture after scripture after scripture about God. The same God today was the God in the Old Testament. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what it says in the Bible. And if you want to stand there and worship the same God that ordered women to have their stomachs cut open, the pregnant women to have their stomachs sliced open and their entrails spilling onto the rocks, that's your same God. Maybe he was in a bad fucking mood in the Old Testament, but that's the same God as you worship today. The same fucking guy who I don't believe exists, but you do. So that's something you need to reconcile with yourself, that the same person that you worship, that you worship, ordered the death of innocent women and children and sanctioned rape and slavery. And if you're okay with that, then that's okay. And maybe I got a little heated there. Bernie's giving me the stink eye. <laughs> well, I think we all think we're going to die right now. Um, but <laughs> also, I just want to say that you probably criticize Islam more than Christianity. And he asked here, do you also criticize Muslims and Buddhists? I remember you criticizing Buddhism. You for sure criticize Islam. We are constantly talking about Islam. I criticize Bo Buddhism for something that's not even as terrible as some of the shit in Islam and these other uh, these terrible religions. Yeah. In Buddhism, in Nepal and Tibet, there's a caste system where the peasants serve at the back like slaves for the the hierarchy of the religion, uh, uh, like the 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 Dalai Lama and his types. That's a terrible system where people's freedom is taken away. So Buddhism is abhorrent to me. Yeah, and he admits, you know, in the following sentence that he hasn't listened to other podcasts, so maybe he doesn't know if we, quote, belittle other religions, so... Well, he says, let me know so I can check it out to verify. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving forward. If you don't belittle other faiths, then, then I have to ask you... Well, we do, so I'm going to disregard that sentence. Also, allow me... And this is where it gets... Fuck. <sighs> This is where it gets offensive. This is where I get mad. Also, let me uh, allow me to suggest a topic for your next show. You might want to talk about and even celebrate ISIS, the Islamic State in Iraq, beheading little Christian babies as a way to force the Christian adults to convert to Islam. They're told to either flee their homes, convert to Islam, or pay the fine for being a Christian. If they refuse, they are killed. Here is a link so you can investigate further and see the actual photos and videos. 
you guys and ISIS, and I want the audience to listen in and tune into this particular sentence from Antho L from Yelp. You guys, meaning Brittany and me, and ISIS make very good bedfellows. Are you fucking kidding me? You have the temerity and you're going to compare me to someone who beheads innocent babies? You think that's rational? You think that's Jesus and Christ-like behavior? You think I'm a person who would behead an innocent baby no matter what religion they're being brainwashed in? Well, and this Fuck you. Well, and this just illustrates the point that we make on this podcast all the time, which is religion is is detrimental. I mean, look at Antho. I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but his He sounds like it. But but his beliefs are clouding his judgment and his ability to be reasonable. His belief in Christianity and his intense desire to protect his belief at all cost is causing him to talk like this. This isn't a rational person. It's terrible. This is almost like someone that has like a disorder of thinking. Who no normal rational person would say this to someone. To say that we would be supportive of Christians being killed? Right. Well, no, we we never talk like that. We uh, we never talk like that. We never talk like that. But of course we I I I wouldn't I wouldn't I I'm not even for the death penalty. And if you would listen to the show and I would I would prescribe that you do. So maybe educate yourself a little bit before you go spouting things off. I'm not even a proponent of the death penalty. So check yourself. Let me continue. They hate Christians too, so you should be applauding ISIS on your show. Let me know when you do, as it would be very interesting to hear. And then yeah. he and then he tries to cover up all the bullshit he just said and finishes it up with thanks Brittany. I don't have any hard feelings toward you or Jesse because I know you're just doing what you believe. You know what? That's no reason to not have hard feelings. Cuz ISIS, they're just doing what they believe too and I got lots of fucking hard feelings. Yeah, and it's also we don't we don't hate Christians. People always do this thing where they wrap their beliefs up in them. Christianity is separate from humans. Of course. Our beliefs are separate from humans. We are not our beliefs. And, you know, I have, I talk about it all the time. My best friend is a Mormon. And our very good friend yes. that we hang out with on a regular basis is a Calvinist. Christian. Yeah. And we love those people. Love them. And I, if anything ever happened to them, we would be completely devastated and I'm about to start crying thinking about it. So for someone to say that I would be in favor of killing Christians because I don't agree with Christianity, I mean, that's just absurd. It's well, hyperbolic. It's crazy. Maybe he just has... Maybe it's an English barrier that he doesn't understand what an atheist is. All of that means... And you can't even lump me together with other atheists. All it means is I do not believe in gods. I don't believe in supernatural creators of our planet and universe. I don't believe in gods. That's it. That's all it means. Yeah. And also, I just want to say one last thing, that he's getting angry. But the thing is, we didn't come to him and try to convert him into atheism. He's the one who messaged me, a stranger. Right. I've never met him. We were living our life, going on our way, publishing podcast after podcast, and we got someone coming to us to try to flip us to Jesus. If I... 
met if I walked past him on the street, I wouldn't know because I don't know what he looks like. I don't know who he is. He's a stranger. But he decided to message me out of the blue and tell me about his personal relationship with Jesus Christ as if I care at all about that. And when you do that, you're opening up a conversation. And if you're not prepared to have that conversation and you're going to get like this, you're going to get angry and you're going to start comparing people to people who uh, kill babies, then maybe you shouldn't try to proselytize. Maybe you should keep it to yourself for a bit until you can handle people disagreeing with you. That might be a good idea. I think it's a great idea. And you know what? We we welcome you as angry as I just got on the show. And I, I did. I That's probably about as pissed off as I get. I mean, if I could be, if I was to be screaming, I could, but the microphone only allows me to get so loud. I apologize for that. That was a little whatever, but it makes for, for good uh, broadcasting. I'll leave it. Uh, and Brittany's not happy. I'll, the audience needs to know the behind the scenes stuff right now. Brittany is unhappy with what just got laid down recorded. I'm not unhappy. You're just very tense. <laughs> I can this the anxiety is is electric. Yeah. <laughs> Someone just needs to give you a shot of Xanax to the throat right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let me take this opportunity, and this is for you. This is going out to you, Antho. <laughs> let me take this opportunity to talk about ISIS. Because I'm only assuming this. Um, I'm a, I'm guessing Antho doesn't have any military training. I'm guessing Antho has never really been in a combat situation. And I don't know. For those of you who don't know... Like I said, he's a stranger, so... Right. I was in the United States Marine Corps. <laughs> Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> so let me say this. Related to geopolitics and related to what is going on and our involvement over there, the United States of America's involvement militarily, it's about fucking time that we ISIS, for those of you who don't know, who haven't flipped on a TV in the last fucking two, three, four months, ISIS stands for the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. And they've recently changed their name to something less flowery and they're just going with IS or something. But they believe in some Islamic Mohammed Muslim fucking edict from the prophet, from Allah, that they create their own Muslim state, an Islamic state that is run filled with the glory of Sharia law. They are a Sunni insurgent group that it's like if if Mormons were killing Catholics and ev evangelicals were murdering Presbyterians. When you hear what a Sunni is and what a, what a Shiite is and the Wahhabi movement, there are different, there are, whether you know it or not, different denominations within Islam. And the two major ones, like the two major ones in Christianity, are Protestantism and Catholicism. Those are the two main ones. Just like in Christianity, in Islam, it's the same. Sunni and Shia. And that is all based around who took over for the prophet Muhammad. One believes it was like a nephew, and the other guy thought it was the fucking son. Fuck, who knows? It's bullshit anyway. But because of they are Sunni and they have their particular flavor of Islam, they are not just beheading little, beautiful, innocent Christian girls. 
They are beheading any fucking buddy that doesn't agree with their particular nuanced flavor of Islam. They're murdering men who are Shiites. They are murdering women who are Sunnis. It doesn't just mean, oh, you're a Sunni, you get to be good. Oh, you're a Shiite, you die. It's anyone. The Yazidi, which is a people in Kurdistan, or what will more than likely be Kurdistan in Iraq, near Turkey, they are a people who believe in an ancient weirdo religion that, that is based on uh, Zoroastrianism. So this group isn't, I don't want the audience to be delusioned by what Antho said. They're not just killing Christians yeah. or Christian girls. They're killing anybody who doesn't fucking agree and probably people who do agree. Yeah. They're worthless fucking maniac terrorists. That's what makes me so angry when he compares, calls us bedfellows and that we should celebrate ISIS. It's fucking, it's, it, I'm not offended. I'm angry about it. It's fucking lame because these people are sawing the heads off of innocent human beings. Well, and if he would, if he would understand the position, we're always talking about, we really do advocate for compassion and these religions, they, they don't have compassion for people. And that's the whole point. They don't, they can't see eye to eye with people that they disagree with so much so that they are violent. And it's not just, you know, Muslims worst, against other religions. It's, it's the worst kind of violence. I think a big thing that Antho isn't understanding, and maybe if he would educate himself on the issue a little bit, is that we talk a lot about compassion. And when we criticize religion, we are criticizing the aspects of it that are anti-compassion. When they want to oppress people, when they want to talk about how homosexuals have something wrong with them and they need yeah. to be, they need to change and they're oppressing them or, you know, harming whoever it might be. And then, you know, you have ISIS and they're on the very extreme end of that spectrum. And so all religions are negative. We don't say that the people are necessarily bad. Obviously, we can tell that these ISIS people are bad because they're beheading people and that, that takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah. You know, but... I wish he would understand what it is about the religions that we're criticizing. It's not just, oh, we hate religion. It's the negative aspect of it that causes the violence, the oppression, all that. What would be great if he, if he would look inward at his own quote-unquote religion, even though he's not religious, if he would look at his own personal relationship with Christ, and I'm assuming as a template for his personal relationship with Christ, quote-unquote, I'm assuming he uses the Bible for that. Otherwise, there's no basis for his faith and it's fucking worthless anyway. So he needs to go look at the Bible and have some, a little retrospective relative to what it's all based on and who his God is about, what is about. It's, it's, it's about the most frustrating thing for me relative to where I came from in religion and looking at these people who did the same thing I did. Maybe that's what makes me so mad about it is he is doing the same thing. I did, ignoring all the terrible shit. Maybe the only book in the Bible he reads is Galatians because it's all about grace and it's all about love and it's all about grace. Maybe that's, maybe he's a Galatians guy. And if that is, that's great, but don't act like your faith is fully encompassed by just the book of Galatians and just the teachings on love and grace. Because that's not what it's all about. There's terrible shit throughout not just the Old Testament. And we're gonna we're gonna end it there. 
Yeah. Unless you have something to add. Well, we were going to talk about this seven-year-old holding up a severed head. Oh, yeah. Well, let's do. Let's do talk about I mean, that. we can just put the link on the Facebook no, page. No, no, no. Let, let's talk about these these people who he, uh, he thinks were the bedfellows of. This is a Sydney jihadist and his son... Sydney, Australia. Yeah, and his son is seven years old, raised in the suburbs of Sydney, and he, in this photo of him holding a severed head up with both arms, he's a seven-year-old boy, and he's struggling to hold it up. It's a slain Syrian soldier, and his father tweeted it. It's so weird to talk about Twitter in the same sentence, because this is such an archaic thing, and then you're like, oh, he tweeted this archaic action. We're talking about shit that took place in the 5th and 6th century. Yeah, so he tweeted a picture of his son with his little toy kid watch and his little kid shirt on, saying, that's my boy, holding up a severed head. uh, Ostensibly, I only looked at at the picture, he looks like a white kid. Yeah, he does. He doesn't look ethnically Islamic or Arab or Pashtun, or he doesn't look like he's in the mix. He yeah. looks like a kid that you'd have, uh, you'd see playing in the in the the play yard in the, in the ball pit at your local McDonald's. Yeah, I'm not sure what what the deal is there, but it's pretty frightening. And then in this article, they also talk about um, how they actually have a video of a kid being interviewed, and he's asked, what do you want to be, a jihadist or to execute a suicide operation? And he says, a jihadist. And his father asks him, why do we kill the infidels? What have the infidels done? And his son says, they kill Muslims. It's just, it's eerie to, to watch it because it's a kid. It's no, it's note that blind devotion, other than the violence is no different than the blind devotion that Antho feels for his faith. Other than the abhorrent, terrible, horrific, genocidal violence, it's the same irrational, blind devotion. It's really sad because these kids, I mean, they really are just kids, and they're just being brainwashed into this crazy... Very sad. ...nonsense, you know? And I mean, that seven-year-old kid's holding up a head, a human head. I mean, it's not a movie. Right. What's going to... What are the psychological implications for that child? I don't even know. So anyway, good times. Yeah. Fucking scary times in which we live. All right, well... So last week, we have been on this crusade on the show to want to include our listeners more. And we kind of put out a, a call to arms to, to rally the troops and have them want to participate more. And in the wake of that, we've had a few, a few takers. Some people initiated and said they wanted to and then didn't. And we have Evan with us. Hello, Evan. Hello. Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's a pleasure. And last week, we kind of bounced some ideas around, and a friend of mine posted an article from Huffington Post by a young lady named Madeline Ruff, and she wrote an article called, or titled, Stop Calling Suicide Victims Selfish. And this is the topic that uh, Brittany, Evan, and myself, it's what we landed on. And we were going to do this interview yesterday or I guess I should say Monday the 11th of August, and in in preparation for setting up the call and time and schedules, we found out the terrible news that Robin Williams had indeed committed suicide. So I thought to myself, 
I'm going to give, I wanted, I knew in the wake of his death and the news of, of um, the, the sad, terrible tragedy that some people would go off half-cocked and say stupid shit. So I wanted to allow that to happen because it would be very uh, apropos of the topic of this article about calling victims, suicide victims selfish. Um, and indeed, that is what happened. So we didn't do the recording yesterday on Monday. We waited until Tuesday. And in only that short time, several people have mouthed off. Uh, Todd Bridges, the, the former co-star of Different Strokes. I don't know why I can never remember the name of that show. And then also, uh, I would like to say friend of the show, or we're a friend of his show, Shep Smith also said some ridiculous things. And then right here, I don't know if you listened to the clip, um, Evan, but I'm going to play the clip, and then we'll talk about it. And I want to quote from him again. My children give me a great sense of wonder just to see them develop into these extraordinary human beings. And a favorite book as a child growing up, it was The Lion. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'd read the whole C.S. Lewis series outside to my kids. I was once reading to Zelda, and she said, don't do any voices, just read it yourself. So I did. I just read it straight. And she said, that's better. One of the children he so loved. One of the children grieving tonight. Because their father killed himself in a fit of depression. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? You can love three little things so much, watch them grow, and they're in their mid-twenties, and they're inspiring you and exciting you, and they fill you up with a kind of joy you could never have known, and, and yet something inside you is so horrible, or you're such a coward, or whatever the reason, that you decide you have to end it. Robin Williams at 63 did that today. So even someone as respected by by me, I'll speak for myself, but as respected as Shep Smith can step on his dick, as it were, and say something insensitive and stupid. Shep Smith did apologize, though. We should we should note that. Well, you don't really have a choice after you say something that much of a gaffe. You're going to have to apologize. Oh. So so that notwithstanding, here we are. The interview is happening and we have Evan on the show to kind of it's a it's a topic close to his heart and we wanted him to to be on to kind of express as kind of man on the street what he thinks about it too so have you have you had suicide hit close to home you know the the whole timing of this is just uh, remarkable cuz um it was only just last year that um a pretty good friend of mine who I've known for the majority of my life a few years younger but just a brilliant 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 guy you know, he he liked to hack for fun and big computer guy, and uh, he was just the nicest, the nicest person, the kindest heart. Um, he loved his dog more than you know, probably most other people. He just a huge heart. He uh, he decided to to take his life. It wasn't a kind of a spur of the moment decision. Um, I was told that throughout his childhood, he had suicidal tendencies and thoughts and, you know, from a very early age, um, he, he made it pretty clear to his mom and his dad that one day he would kill himself. For the last few months that he was alive, we really spent a lot of time together. Uh, we went on a few hikes together. Uh, he came over to the house and we just, you know, we'd hang around and talk. And it, to be honest, he, he seemed 
I mean, just to say that he sent, he seemed totally fine would be an understatement. I mean, he was happy. He was funny. He was always making jokes. Just, I, I was at work one day and I got the text message that, uh, that he killed himself. And I, and I literally, I just couldn't believe it. You know, this guy was not your typical, just, you know, in a hole, depressed, couldn't get out of bed, uh, would talk about how life is meaningless. None of that. I mean, this was a happy go lucky, brilliant guy. And so, um, you know, with the death of, with the death of Robin Williams, you know, it just, you know, so, so, so let me ask you, knowing this, 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 this guy is as well as you did. Mm -hmm. You didn't walk away from that experience thinking he was a coward or, or selfish. I take it. Uh, not in the slightest. Um, he, he was very, he was very concerned for other people's feelings. He really just, he was a happy person and he tried to share that with everyone around him. He's just, he's just one of those guys where, you know, you always knew you were going to have a good time. And if you ever needed something, he was there for you. Uh, selfish, I think, would be the last word that comes to mind if I had to. Because that, that's what's interesting to me in, in the wake of, of William's death. It's, it's not people who knew him and had experience with him who are calling him selfish right. and a coward. It's people who don't fucking know him. And that strikes me as notable because the people who actually know him and loved him and had experiences in life with him are the ones saying he was the most giving person ever. Right. A hundred percent, you know, just out, outside of his incredibly successful, you know, movie career. Um, you know, he was a comedian and he, he loved to make people laugh. You know, that was his thing. Um, he was a huge contributor to foundations such as comic relief, Christopher and Donna Reeve Foundation, the Livestrong Foundation, and St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. I mean, this was a really, this was a caring, giving man. To put that label on someone who takes their life as a coward or selfish, you know, I'm tempted to say that they lack empathy for people that are suffering. Although I don't think you need to necessarily be clinically depressed in order to understand that. You know, it just, it's not, you could just learn about it. You can, I'm sure people, you know, you could talk to people that have experienced it. You know, clinically depressed is not the same as feeling sad from time to time. It's, that's exactly right. right. You know, it reminds me of, um, I'll tell a rel relatively self deprecating story here. When back in like 1996, when I was, if you didn't know, everybody, I, I was in the, in the United States Marine Corps. Jesse was in the Marines, everybody. <laughs> well, when in, back in 1996, um, the chief of naval operations, they, the CNO, it's kind of like the commandant of the Marine Corps, the, the highest ranking officer in, in that service. Um, his name was Matthew Borda. And there was a controversy surrounding certain medals or ribbons or awards that he was wearing in uniform and whether or not he had legitimately earned those. And it was, it was, he was embroiled in controversy for what seemed to be forever. I mean, it was probably only several weeks and he took his own life. He killed himself and being, you know, a younger man with a dumbass. I didn't know my ass from my elbow related to what the world was about. I was very outspoken about what a coward he was and how selfish he was to have taken his own life. And that's the coward's way out. Um, 
and I was I couldn't have been any more wrong. And I shudder to think what people thought of me while expressing those horrible, vitriolic, hateful words. Well, and I mean, I think that you're in good company, though, because a Gallup poll that was conducted in May of 2013 showed that only 16% of the country finds suicide to be morally acceptable, which is ridiculous because it's not really a moral issue. I mean, these people aren't lashing out because they're angry at other people or something. They're hurting themselves because they're ill. And so how is it like a moral issue? They have an illness. It really just goes to show how little we know as, as, as lay people, as the general public, how little we know about mental illness. It's the same thing when the Elliot Rogers shit happens and you've got someone who is tragically sick in their mind and we, we rush to judge them because oftentimes as flawed human beings and as humans, we judge that which we have no understanding of. So it's... It's just, it's super sad. Right. You know, it just makes me think that when people, you know, make these accusations and, and label people, um, you know, that commit suicide as selfish, you know, I'm tempted to say that it's really those people that are acting selfishly. Um, it's, it, they care more about how the other person made them feel than how the person felt themselves. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good point too, because uh, experts say that one of the tactics you can use to support people who are suicidal is to destigmatize mental health treatment. And by saying that these people are selfish or cowardly, that people who succumb to their depression in this way are cowards, how is that going to encourage people to get mental health treatment? I mean, that's that's making the stigma of getting help worse. Right. Well, I, and Brittany and I were talking about it this morning. And she made a great point that you can actually probably cause more damage and cause more people to commit suicide when you are calling him, a, um, Robin Williams, a coward. So we're, we're definitely going to, to list the National Suicide Hotline phone number 1-800-273-8255. So if you are in need of help, if you are having suicidal ideation or any thoughts like that, um, call that number and, and get some help. I'd also like to note to the uninitiated, uh, please stop making wild proclamations regarding depression and what it means to suffer from such an illness. If you aren't a mental health professional, don't be leaving wild comments on Facebook and then get mad when people tell you that you're saying things that are not clinically accurate. That might be a good idea. Well, if anything, uh, you know, um, an occurrence like this, a moment like this, it, it certainly gives everybody pause, but it also is going to be a learning moment and maybe will illuminate um, the issue even for a short time so we, we grow to understand it a little better. I agree. And I think that the more that uh, we educate, especially young, you know, younger people um, about depression and what causes it, you know, a chemical imbalance in your brain is not something that people choose to have. And I think the more that, you know, that this is common knowledge, that clinical depression, you know, when treated properly, there is, according to the Suicide Awareness Voices of Education, um, that 80% of people that seek treatment for depression are treated successfully. And so, you know, when when someone is feeling these overwhelming 
you know, feelings of despair and hopelessness, you know, that's not reality. That is just simply a chemical imbalance in the brain that is treated fairly easy to treat when seeking the right people. And so I think that if, you know, the more we try and educate people about depression and what it means to have it and, you know, the success rate of it, I think that. Yeah, I I think that makes sense, too, because there's a lot of conversations that I've been seeing where people are talking about, well, you know, it doesn't make sense that someone would do this and they're weak willed and it just doesn't make sense that someone would make this choice. Well, using the phrase makes sense when discussing mental illness is kind of confusing to me because obviously Robin Williams was not in a state of mind to be making, you know, good decisions. And he, it's all about that state of mind that he was in that didn't allow for him to make a healthy decision. And whatever was going on with his treatment, you know, obviously wasn't working. And that's unfortunate, but it doesn't mean that this is an issue with will, you know, or that this is an issue with someone being selfish or, dumb or any of the things I've seen. I agree. I don't think anybody that's considering suicide is really having a logical conversation with themselves and weighing out the options. I think it's more of an emotional, um, you know, people are disadvantaged emotionally and they're not thinking correctly and, you know, they make a poor decision. Well, that's great. I'm, uh, I want to thank you, Evan, for taking the time out of your day to, uh, to sit with us. Glad to be here. Um, we, if only it could be under better circumstances or a better topic and not so, so close to, you know, when we, when we chose to talk about this, there wasn't really anybody in mind. And it's unfortunate that, um, it's so close to everybody's hearts right now, but at least it's timely and maybe it'll, 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 uh, lead someone to, to seek some help. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Great to be here, Jesse. Thank you so much. And thank you, Brittany. So yeah, again, I really want to uh, thank Evan. Um, it's been uh, a rough couple of days in the news. Um, obviously, when something like this happens, you reflect on both personal experience and um, you know. I don't always have a, 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 a visceral experience, an emotional experience when a celebrity dies, um, and I didn't necessarily with this because I didn't know him, but. It's it's certainly sad. I mean, say what you will, if he if you don't feel he was funny or not, Robin Williams was an American icon and an American treasure. He made millions of people happy through his art. And and I, I believe he he deserves some some respect and some some celebration. And it's it's just sad when people are fucking human potholes. Like, like they're being to his daughter Zelda right now. Yeah, his daughter Zelda Williams actually had to delete her Twitter. Or she didn't delete it, but she deleted the app from her phone and said she might permanently be gone from it because she's been receiving so much abuse. People have been photoshopping photos of her dad and sending them to her. Fucking animals. And, you know, saying things about him being a coward and all this to his daughter. I mean, why does she need to hear that? She had nothing to do with his death. Yeah, just keep it to yourself. It's the same thing that we were talking about with with Evan about being... um, cowards or or selfish yeah and i want to like evan pointed out robin williams was if anything he was a generous beautiful man he wasn't selfish as evidenced by his past behavior yeah and i didn't know a lot of that stuff he you know volunteered overseas a lot to entertain the troops and he you know gave to charity a lot 
And then the other word that's being bandied about carelessly, I think, is that he was a coward. Now, we don't have any evidence of, of Robin Williams being super brave or anything. But let me tell you who's not a coward. That's the thousands upon thousands of soldiers and Marines and airmen and sailors who are returning from the front lines of battle for your country who are committing suicide in droves. If you're saying that... And 22 veterans kill themselves every day. It's something terrible. So if, if you're saying that anybody who commits suicide is a coward, then you need to fucking look at yourself in the mirror because that means you are calling men and women in uniform who are putting their lives on the line and who have courageously served their country in battle. You're calling them cowards. Well, and that's the thing. This whole situation is proving how ill-equipped people are to comment on matters of the human condition and things related to psychology. Yeah. Because even the point you just made, it's a great one. But someone might say, well, those soldiers might have PTSD. You know, everyone has like a better understanding of PTSD than, say, run-of-the-mill depression because depression is tossed around so much as though it's a regular emotion rather right. than a clinical condition. And they might say, yeah, well, those soldiers had a reason to commit suicide. Robin Williams, he's rich. He's famous he's funny he has everything going yeah. for him yeah well he still has a mental illness exactly it's so disconnected yeah and so if you're gonna make an excuse for one person you have to make an excuse for that person too they're all the same they all have mental illnesses i heard someone say it so i'm not i'm not claiming this is my own thought but i heard someone talk about this and they said maybe it was dick cavett interviewing with uh with aaron burnett on cnn and he said, saying, well, he was so rich and he was wealthy, had everything. Why would he, why would he commit suicide? It's, it, or why would he be depressed? It's like saying, ah, oh, he was so rich and he had everything. Why would he get the flu? Yeah. Because it's an illness. Yeah. There is something wrong and broken in his brain. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. Well, and it's, we're, we're going to have to wrap this up because this is going to be fucking long. But... A guy named Matt Walsh is getting absolutely pounded on and shit on for a blog he wrote. I, I invited him on the show. I tweeted, and many, many people retweeted the tweet and, and, and spread the news that I wanted him on the show. And I'm not going to call him a coward, but uh, he's, he's not going to appear on the show. So the title of his blog says, Robin Williams didn't die from a disease. He died from his choice. Right. So the title, you need to calm it down there, guy. Exactly. Well, the enti well he, I think he writes salacious headlines and salacious type blogs because it supports his, his it keeps him in the public eye. Isn't there some website that... Yeah, what is Matt Walsh wrong about today? Right. <laughs> Yeah, so he's popular for being wrong. So so what I'm saying cuz I don't necessarily disagree and I think he's getting he's getting what he deserves for the tone of his article cuz the tone is terrible, not necessarily what he says. Well, and also the title. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, but that, is but his which general sets the tone. Yeah, but his general point, if he would have just stuck with his general point in the title as well, saying he didn't die from his disease, that's not true. He did. It's a derivative. Well, it's like this. He's saying that he made a choice to commit suicide. And this is, I, I compare it to this. If someone signs a legal document, a contract, or makes an agreement under duress, 
or if someone confesses to a crime under duress, that confession or that legal document cannot be held enforced by the court. Yeah. Because if you're under duress, it's no longer legally valid. And it's the same thing with committing suicide or a similar thing with committing suicide. He's he's under duress. He's under he's he's not in his right mental state. It was probably one of the darkest and worst days he's had with his condition that caused him to finally go through with killing himself. It's, and had he survived it, he would have likely regretted it. It's like we were talking when earlier. When he was in a different state of mind. It's like we were talking earlier, Brittany, when when I was saying that, you know, people are, are, are saying, well, he had a wife and kids and, you know, people are saying those type of things. And you told me. Yeah, that when he's in the state of mind that he was likely in when he finally went through with it, that he's not thinking that his children are going to mourn him, that his wife is going to miss him. He's thinking they're going to be better off without me. I'm a burden. Yeah. They don't need me. Right. You know, that's how his brain was probably operating at that time. So again, this is another situation where people are putting normal normal parameters on abnormal situations. Yeah. They're trying to judge Robin Williams from their healthy brain, their non-depressed brain. That is profound. You don't understand what was going on in his depressed brain when he put the belt around his neck and hung himself. Yeah. You know, you can't even fathom what it would take to get you to that point, and that's fine. So don't presume to know what was going on with him. Well, also, let's take a step back and... I don't, I'm probably speaking to no one since I don't believe our audience are a bunch of fucking assholes. But let's put it in this perspective and let me, if you can convey this, listen, intelligent audience, if you can convey this message to those assholes that are sending Zelda Williams Photoshop pictures of her dead dad. I mean, they Photoshop pictures of him to be dead or whatever. Yeah, it's sick. It's, what the fuck are you doing? How is this moving us forward? And it's the same message that I would have for Matt for Matt Walsh is how does this move us forward? Yeah. How does this move the conversation forward? How does it better our condition as humans yeah. on this planet? Yeah. And if it doesn't move us forward, this could go for Anthoel. If it doesn't move the conversation forward, then don't fucking do it. Don't compare us to bedfellows. Don't send pictures to an innocent person who's mourning the loss of the man who gave her life. Yeah. Let's move the conversation forward. Listen, with that, we have gone very long. A lot to talk about today. We still are abandoning several subjects. We didn't get to Tony Stewart. There's a study. One in 10 cancer survivors still smoke cigarettes. I have a lot of interesting drinking facts for everybody. Yeah, uh, there's a whole study about male and female bosses or research that was done around it. We're going to get to that next time. For now, listen, if you're going to go buy a book, <laughs> how's that for a transition? That was great. Terrible. Uh, Dollamore.com. There's an Amazon search bar. Go check it out. We love you for listening. We love you for supporting the show. 657-464-7609 is the number. Call. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. If there's anything you'd like to sound off on and goddamn there is a lot that we just covered in this show get a hold of us call voicemail text us at that number 657-464-7609 email us get a hold of us we would love to interact with you for Brittany page 
I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Fuck you. Ooh, ooh.